Welcome everybody, along with Chuck Davis and I'm Lyle Stokes and welcome to Catfish Weekly. Uh, tonight we have Larry Muse on for a guest on our show. Uh, there's a couple of things I want to get started with first. Um, uh, first off, uh, I want to talk about uh, Whiskerware Apparel. Whiskerware Apparel is our title sponsor on the show and Rob Claude Felder uh, is so good to us and the catfishing industry and I wanted to let everybody know that in just a short period of time you guys will be able to go to Bass and Moore in Owensboro, Kentucky and get your catfish apparel there. Whiskerware apparel will be in the store so you can go in and get it right there. Uh, I know it's just going to be a little bit but in the meantime you can uh, uh, contact Rob and he'll tell you when it's going to be there if you don't want to do the shipping thing and and uh, those people at Bass and Moore are outstanding folks, and they'll take care of you on all your catfishing needs when you're in Orangeboro, your license, your bait, uh, all the stuff. And don't forget, when the Monsters of Ohio come, uh, either Thursday or Friday, we don't have a date set, but we will be doing a live show out of there, and we're going to get as many of the, of the uh, anglers that we can possibly get during that period of time on the show. And... Um, we think we've got everything figured out to where we'll be live and doing it so we, everybody can stop by there and we'll run through things as quick as we can and, and we're going to have a lot of fun down there at Owensboro and I know uh, I know uh, Aaron Wheatley is working really really hard to to make this happen and make it the biggest and the best event that he's ever had and they've all been good so uh, looking forward to that. How's it going tonight Chuck? Great Lyle. Um, ready for this fall fishing? Well, it's here. It was uh, high 60s Saturday night in our tournament, and uh, John B. Hyder Jr. and John B. Hyder Sr. ended up with the winning weight. Uh, we had a, uh, a team that had a higher weight but didn't make the way in. I actually pulled them in. They had some boat trouble and missed way in by two minutes. I really, really feel bad about that, but my old boat just wouldn't get them there any quicker. And uh, had a pretty good turnout. Justin Wolf had a good night. It was just a really good time, and uh, it was cool. Cindy actually had her coveralls on, so uh, fall fishing is is well on its way. Oh, yeah. um, tonight we have the pleasure of having Larry Muse on the show. We try really hard to get some of the best fishermen in the nation on, and we're very pleased that Larry uh, has agreed to join us on the show. So you guys in chat. Jump right in, and uh, if you have any questions, type them in to us, and we will get them uh, going. Larry, welcome to Catfish Weekly. Uh, thank you, Lyle. Uh, I appreciate y'all asking me. And, uh, uh, one thing I'd like to say is uh, I really appreciate your sponsors. You know, anybody that's sponsoring tournament catfishing, I'm all for them. And uh, I think we all need to buy their stuff. And... Uh, uh, not, you know, I, I like my sponsors and I like to plug my sponsors, but now I'm for anybody that, that's doing anything for tournament catfishing. I, I appreciate it. Oh, I agree 100%. You know, they, these people uh, can can spend their advertising money, most of them, anywhere they want to, uh, but if they're back in uh, uh, catfishing as a sport or as a tournament sport, uh, these are the people that we need to make sure uh, get promoted the correct way and, and keep them in the industry. We don't want to lose them to one of the other fishing venues. And not that there's anything wrong with, with supporting those guys, but we actually need to keep uh, 
rolling our sport as much as we can, and the sponsors is what does that for us. Yes, sir. Uh, I would like to say, starting off, that uh, kind of so people can see where I came from as far as where I get my ideas, and they may decide they don't want to hear none of this, <laughs> or they, you know, they may decide, okay, that's that's kind of the way I got started too, you know. But uh, I started fishing when I was real little. I mean, real little just out of diapers with my grandmother. And uh, my grandmother taught me something before I was 10 years old that most catfishmen don't know today. And that's how to, that's, that's how to pattern fish and how to go, either go upstream, downstream, deep or shallow or whatever. And, and uh, we fished off the bank a lot of time under bridges and stuff. And uh, she, uh, she taught me that, uh, uh, we was over in northeast Arkansas is where I grew up, and uh, we would be uh, under a bridge uh, in a ditch one week, and then she'd say, now we're going to go down to the river, and I'd say, well, why? And she said, well, the water's falling, and as long as the water was rising, we'd fish uh, uh, St. Francis River and stuff, and some of the tributaries to it, we'd fish those, and if the water was rising, those fish would be all up in there. Well, when the water would fall, we go to to the uh, river, and we go to some deep spots that we can reach off the bank in the river. And so I learned off the bank as a, as just a little guy. You know, there's no sense when that water starts coming down in those in those tributaries. When that water starts to drop, it don't have to drop much. Them them fish coming out of there like hulls coming out of a cotton gin. They leaving. And <laughs> Granny said the reason they do that is because God make, made them so that they didn't get left out there in a the corn roll somewhere. As soon as that water started falling, they, they just go because that's why that's why God made them. And uh, a lot of my a lot of my tactics and stuff come from come from real simple stuff like that. And uh, one thing uh, in Genesis in the ninth chapter, uh, after the ark landed, uh, God told Noah that he could uh, he could eat meat now, not just not just vegetables and and uh, fruit and stuff. He said, you can eat meat, do it with Thanksgiving. But he said, the fear and dread of you shall be upon the beasts of the field and the fowl of the air and the fish of the sea. And so those fish, they fear us and they dread us. And so, and that'll always be, that is an absolute truth. It's in the Bible and it will always be. And anything that's always constant and will always be, you need to pay close attention to and so those fish are going to fear us. They don't even know why they're fierce, because God made them that way. That's why they're fierce. And I think the older and bigger a catfish gets, the more that fear and dread is in him. And anything that looks unnatural to them in the water, I think they, I think they associate that with that fear and that dread. And uh, and so that's I do a lot of my fishing based on these principles. Uh, another thing was in day five of creation. Uh, God made fish and birds, and if you want to see what fish are doing, if you want to know what the fish are doing, if you'll just watch the birds, they act a whole lot alike. Uh, if you walk around the back of your house and uh, there's a whole bunch of sparrows around there, and you just barely come around the corner, well, if one of those sparrows sees you, they're all gone. And it's kind of like that with fish. If you bump into one fish with your line, you didn't just spook that fish. You fish. You spooked every fish in the in the lot, out there. And so, you know, I use I use that as a, as one of my basic principles. And uh, you know, it usually works out pretty good. Awesome, awesome. 
Well, Chuck, have you got a list of stuff for Larry tonight? Oh yeah, I got a good list. How's everything? How's, there, how's everything going, Larry? Yeah, just fine. Good to see you, Chuck. It's great to have you on. First, I want to give a big shout out and two thumbs up to uh, Captain Ron Presley on all the coverage, exposure, and resource management he has been giving to our sport. Larry, I know he's included you in several, several of his articles. Um, do you have anything to add to this? Uh, yes, uh, I really appreciate Mr. Ron. He, uh, he's been in boat with me several times, and uh, he is, uh, he's, he's a top-notch guy, he, uh, and he's a good fisherman. He is really a good fisherman. We, uh, we got third place in Rome last year. Uh, he fished with me as a senior partner, and uh, uh, we got third place in Rome. He caught the first fish, and uh, I was in a tight points race that year. This this time I'm leading it pretty 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 good, a little better. But then I was in a tight tight point, points race, and uh, uh, Ron caught the first fish, and I told him I said, man, that it wasn't it wasn't all that big, but I said, man, that is nice. I said, man, that really that really looked nice coming in the boat. I think it was already about eleven o'clock before the, we caught the first fish. And uh, we'd already result. We'd done tried everything else, and we'd resulted to dragging. And uh, we started putting some in the boat, and we ended up in third place. But uh, that was really a that was really a fun tournament, and uh, it was the first one that Ron had ever fished. And uh, we ended up third place, so he he was really tickled. And uh, uh, he's he's done some stuff. Uh, he's wrote some stories. Uh, one of them was spot locking on catfish with sailfish poles, and. Uh, that that's a really neat story that he wrote, and uh, and there's there's a lot to be learned in that too for people that that fish some lakes and suspend fish in some lakes. I've discovered a few things there that uh that'll help some. Yeah, I, that was going to be my uh, very next question for you. Um, I was going to ask you to uh, let's hear about the spot locking with your stepdad's. Uh, Five foot six inch cell, uh, selfish poles with the roller guides, yeah. and uh, maybe Lyle, with his experience, can help us understand why the roller guides uh, could help the blue cats hang on a little bit longer using them and give them enough time for a good hook set. Yeah, well, it, it's kind of my theory that uh, some of these fish that we're hooking and putting back in the water, uh, they got a pretty good memory on them, and, and a lot of times when you're out there spin fishing especially in some of my favorite spots, seems like they want to grab a hold of the rod and just load it up, and then they'll turn it loose, and they won't take it. Of course, we're using circle hooks, and they've got to take it before you can do anything with them. And uh, we we fished several tournaments, and Pop started fishing with us, and uh, he had this old pole, and we kind of joked with him a little bit, and we'd say, Pop, you get a bite on your sailfish pole, you need to get it. You know, we'd, we'd laugh and go, oh, well, we got it. We was doing pretty fair. We was, you know, in the top three just about every tournament. And uh, and uh, we got to thinking, I said, man, I believe that sailfish pole's caught a big fish about the last three tournaments. <laughs> and uh, Dino said, well, what do you think it is? I said, well, I don't know, but order us two boys. Order me and you one of them. <laughs> so he, he gets online and orders us a couple of those. And uh, we fished the, uh, right after we got ours, we fished the uh, world championship of catfishing. We, we got second place. And everything that we weighed, we had uh, we had we had four other poles besides those three with those rollers on it and out. And every fish we caught in that tournament came off of those rollers. 
and it was a tough bite and it was one of them times when the fish would load up everything else just load it a little bit and turn it loose but when they'd take hold of that roller they'd take off with it and i really think that they're that they're feeling that grit of that that braided line going through those eyes on conventional poles uh and and that that's just you know that brings back that memory when they was caught before because these are substantial fish that we're catching on those on those rollers and that's just you know I, I may be right and i may be dead wrong but that's just you know that's just my theory on it yeah i can see where them rollers are a lot smoother and and the quality of them has increased the reason why i never used them um, in our area, there's a lot of guys that are catching spoonbills and they're snagging them uh, early in the spring. And invariably, guys is bringing me rods that had rollers on. Now they're sitting there jerking that thing and hit the bottom and jerking it up and hit the bottom and jerking it up. And when they jerked that up, that braided line was getting hung in between the roller and the side of the guide, and it was pinching them. They, you know, they'd get aggravated. They'd lose all their stuff three or four times a day, and, and that's the reason why I kind of stay with them. But now, after doing some some research and checking on the new roller guides, they're far superior than the, what those old guides used to be. There, the tolerances are very close, and then you, unless you're just using uh, some really really fine line, you're never going to have that happen now. And uh, you know, they they're they're a little bit pricey, but if they work for you. Uh, I would rather pay a little bit more and have confidence in something that I like than, than use something that I didn't have any confidence at all. And the smoothness of them has got to make an effect on things like you're talking about. It just has to. It has. It has. We fished. Um, we got second place at um, Parksville, Tennessee two weeks ago. Jeff Dodd beat us by 1.2 pounds. <laughs> and uh, Jeff was bumping below the dam, and I was suspend fishing above and any time that you can suspend fish and hang with Jeff Dodd and him with a bumping rod in hand in his hand you doing you you're doing it pretty right. And uh uh that day our uh, we caught seventeen fish that day and fifteen of them come off of those poles with the rollers and we had four four other poles and three poles with rollers. <laughs> so hey something to it and uh and another thing that I like to use the rollers on is uh is whenever I'm dragging because it drags so smooth you know how your your pole will set up there and, and just just dod back and forth back and forth and it's working on that braid you're i know that you got good i know you got good eyes and everything on your poles but still it's still at working on it all day just sitting there sawing on it it's still got to have a little effect well those rollers are just a whole lot easier on your line when you're dragging too well, when, when you're sitting there, any time that you have an abrasive, and even as smooth as braid line is, or monofilament, either one for that matter, they're very smooth. And the manufacturing process has got to the point where uh, I don't possibly see how they could get any better, but I know eventually they'll improve them more than what they are now. But those lines are very smooth, and uh, the guides that we use are stainless, and they're triple chrome plated, and that's very smooth. But still, when that line's running back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, um, I'm not sure that the abrasive has anything to do with it as much as the fact that it's heating up. Every time it goes back and forth, it creates friction in there, and anytime there's friction, there's heat, the next thing you know, you got an issue. Yeah, that's right. I, and I, I really, I really like those things. I mean, it was just a fluke when we discovered them, but it's, it's, it's been a go-to thing. Matter of fact, I, after that tournament, Clarksville, I think I'm gonna get a couple more. I don't know why <laughs> those other 
that. <laughs> Heck yeah. You know, and, and Larry, I, I, I really believe that if you have confidence in that, it's as effective as, as anything in the world. Confidence in, in your equipment, in your bait, in your boat, in your partner is one of the most important things that you can possibly have in tournament catfishing. Oh, yes. Yes, I agree. I agree 100%. We, uh, we, we've, uh, we've got our, our duties. My brother fishes with me and my stepdad, and uh, we've, we've got, you know, we've got it where we know what the other one's going to do, and uh, I always, I'm, I'm the captain, I lead the lead the bunch, but now that's the hardest fishing guys you ever see in your life, and, and one of the best bait cutters in the world, and I put my brother up against anybody cutting bait. <laughs> you got you don't use an anchor anymore, so you're giving him a break on that, aren't you? Yeah, that's right. He don't have to. He don't have to throw no anchor. We don't throw no anchor. And and uh, here before long, we ain't even gonna put the trolling motor out. We're gonna we're gonna get us one that self deploys. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, Larry. While we're on the subject of rods, um, I was standing beside you when you went up on stage at the Monsters on the Ohio and received the Black Horse Rod that when your name was drawn in in the 2014 tournament. Yeah. And uh, when you come back down. You had that rod up in there, and you was flicking it, and you said, uh, I have a little something I'm working on on Lake Wilts, and I believe this rod's going to be perfect. Uh, what's that you was working on, and how did that black horse rod work out for that? It did good. I just wanted to check it up against uh, those some old rods that I used. Uh, well, what I caught my 101.5-pound fish on was, uh, was a Berkeley glow stick, and that felt like it had about the same – Tip is at Berkeley, and I want to see how that rod do suspending, and it does great. It does it done real good. It does awesome. real good. Okay, um, I've been, I've been waiting to see you at weigh in and talk to you about the setup you've been using when you're dragging bait. Because I read that article about the Rome Georgia uh, tournament when you was dragging, and I've been dying to try it. Um, you know, if you would, would you uh, would you share the rig you use for the uh, dragging? Because I know when I was down at Brushy Branch, me and Leanne stayed hung constantly. And if you if you was able to fish most of the day with minimum snags, I know you've got something going. Well, I don't think we lost a rig all day. We we didn't hang up a time, and we drove quite quite a bit of that river. Uh, yeah, I've got the rig right here. I'll show it to you. Um, what this is, it's a piece of uh, uh, half-inch OD, flexible, clear rubber tubing. All right, I've got about 12 inches of it filled with birdshot. I plugged it with some, uh, you can plug it with some, some dial, you know, just cut you a piece of wooden dial and silicone it in there or whatever you want to. I use some uh, wire ties. And the reason I use the wire ties is because I can screw an eyelet in there, and uh, that's why you can screw an eyelet in the wood, but it stays in the wire tie a little better. And uh, but this thing's about 30 inches long, and uh, I've got about 12 to 14 inches, which is about four ounces of, of weight. All right, what this thing does, I don't know if you can see it or not. I think you can. I, I'm looking at the monitor there where I can see, but this thing's going to lay like this. Well, this, this part up here, this high part right here, it's got air in it. I've trapped air in there. Mm. So it's going to set just like that, okay? 
All right, so if there's logs or anything this high, it's already got to start going over top of it. All right, it's pointed up. And so when the string hits something, it rushes straight up. It don't hang, it don't come down through and hang on something. It rushes straight up and gets over it. Even if there's something higher than this, if the line's coming over, this rushes straight up and jumps, just goes right over the top of it. All right, then back behind it is my hook, and I'm floating my hook up. Well, my hook's floated up. Of course, this is going to try to float, so it's going to be up here. It floated up back here like this with my dragon rig, you know, like standing up back here. This is floated up behind it, and I'm dragging it down the river. Can you, can you kind of get the gist of it? Okay. Yes. Uh, what I stopped this with, I don't know if you can see this or not, but what I stopped this floater with where I can adjust it how far I want to keep it away from my hook is called a Carolina Keeper. Have you ever used one of those? No, but I've seen them. Yeah, you just take and squeeze this with a pair of pliers, and it's got a look, looks like a little slit, and it. it's just a solid piece of plastic. And you squeeze it, and it makes a little round hole in it. You run your line through it, and you turn it loose, and it grips that line good. I'm talking about real good. And you just slide that on there, and that way you can adjust. You know, if you want it a little further from your bait or a little closer to your bait, of where you want your floater. And I do put a swivel in the middle. So if I got a bait that's spinning, it don't end up tangling up the rest of my rig, whatever. I, and this thing's about well, four and a half, five feet long. Is that from? Do you use a three-way or do you use a yeah. you know Carolina rig? Yes, I got a I got one of these uh, Bass Pro Shop. Uh, it's in the uh, Offshore Angler book. Um, I think it's a one-out. Uh, Three-way swivel. It looks like a it looks like a barrel swivel with the eye of another barrel swivel shoved through it. It's what it looks like. I don't know if you can see that or not. Oh yeah, I see it. But that's what it looks like. That's an awesome, awesome three-way rig. Cause this thing can go all the way around and it can spin. But I always do put this extra bead swivel in the middle too. Even even my bumping rigs are like that. It keeps your line from getting tangled up really bad uh, and, and kinking and all when the when the current's spinning your bait and everything. That's right, and I and I always run a, a lot of people run their lead leader the same length as their hook leader. Well, I don't do that because you like to be bumping for thirty minutes down through there and there and you and you lead right in your bait, you know, and that's no good. Uh, I run my lead leader about half the length of my hook leader. That way, if it does twist up or something, I've still I've still got the uh, option of catching a fish. I'm not I'm not it's not messed up so bad that I can't catch a fish. You know, my lead's still back from it. So, okay. Do, do you think do you think your uh, that tube, um, especially when the bites, uh, really really tough. And you know, and, and the fish are uh, hanging close to structure and stuff. Do you think that tube bumping around and stuff kind of, kind of gets them, uh, you know, waking up and saying something's going on and you know stuff like that? Do you think that it helps might, get them ready before the bait gets there? It, it might do it. I think this thing basically just just streaks just streaks the mud. I think it just streaks the mud in the bottom. I'm sure it don't seem to bother the fish. It don't seem to bother them at all. And uh, it just kind of streaks the mud like a eel or something taking off, and right. I think it looks fairly natural to them because that man, I, I've had them, I've had some forty and fifty pounders just, just 
Jerkcat 240 Pro Cat sideways, you know, catch that back rod on the corner and just, man, just about turn the boat around with this thing. <laughs> oh, yeah, we, uh, you know, we was dragging a couple of weeks ago uh, for my first time on Gunnersville. I've been practicing on the Coosa, and, um, you know, we, we got a pretty good hit, um, you know, on some good roller coaster bottom. And uh, I've never in my life seen a rod get hit. Like <coughs> um, I mean, it, it was just something about it, you know, that I guess that bait must have came over one of those humps and, you know, probably fell down in the hole a little bit. And it, he just he just snatched it. And the guy I was fishing with, Cody, he goes, man, I can't believe you didn't set your drag. And he got up and he wrapped his hand around my drag and he couldn't even pull it off of the reel. That's how tight the drag was, and that fish was just ripping it off of there like I didn't even have it set. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he just nailed it. I'm like, man, it, if they're hitting it like that, it's something I want to do because it's got to look very natural, the most natural it can look, um, you know, when you're dragging that bait down through there like that. Yeah, and I, I, you know, I, I really don't know why they hit it so hard with it moving like that, but they let do. Of course, you got some momentum going the other way too, but um, – they, they seem like they're real aggressive on it like that. Even when they're not biting good, you can be suspend fishing and it not being good at all and then start dragging and they hit it hard hard when it's, when it's moving like that. Right. Um, I've talked to a lot of guys that, um, you know, do a lot of dragging and everything and ask them when they come down the wheeler and, you know, these pretty big waters that get some really nice rollers on them when the wind's blowing. And, uh, you know, that's it. they say that's when they have their best days and they get really excited when they get out there dragging, uh, knowing that, uh, that they're going to have them big swells and stuff. And some of these guys have very small boats like uh, Casey Tutro and them. Um, you know, when they come down, if, if it's big swells, they love it. And they said that, uh, the, you know, the more swells, the better fishing they get dragging that bottom. That's right, isn't it? It's time to drag when that when that water gets tough like that. When the water gets choppy, bad choppy, it's time to drag because if you try to spin, you just your baits are jumping up and down. They don't look natural because just the top two or three feet of that water is all that's moving. Everything else down there is still, and them fish, them them big fish, no better. No, that bait ain't supposed to be jumping up and down. I've uh, I've come up with a floater that's about five foot long that uh. I'm gonna. I'll, I'll release that that piece of information later on. I need to do a little bit more, a little bit more uh, research on it. But I've got a floater that don't jump up and down in the in the current, and uh, I, I really just hadn't had time to get out and try it out real good yet. But I think it's gonna make a difference. But uh, um, these boys that's dragging and catching these fish, that they love those windy days because that puts the suspending man out of it. He he's gonna have to do something different. He he can't just go suspend on hold. And there's a lot of folks that that's their only trick. And if that's your only trick, you if, when that wind gets up, you're just done. Yeah, I've been there. Um, yeah, that's why you know getting out and practicing this dragging and and getting these techniques down. Um, you know, so you can be ready for any situation, and uh, you know, be able to adjust. Uh, you know, because most time, you know, the the couple of days before a tournament's perfect conditions for me, and then the day of the tournament, you know, I'm totally out of my element, 
and uh, you know the days like that are the days where I know where I've got to get on my game and you know get out there and do what these other guys are doing. That's right. That's right. You gotta you gotta come up with something. If you're not catching fish, man, you got to do something different. That's right. Um, Larry Rob Claudfelder has a question. He'd like to know if you have a preferred speed to drag bait. Uh, is do you have a targeted speed that you try to drag uh, your bait? Boy, he's getting personal now. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it just depends, and I've talked to a lot of guys that, that uh, drag anywhere from, you know, from three tenths to to a mile or a mile and a half an hour. But uh, I guess it depends on how much ground you want to cover. But now it's it kind of varies a little bit with the conditions. But now. I love about five tenths. About if I can drag about five tenths of a mile. But the thing, the thing is, um, if you've got no current, you can drag however fast you want to. As far as you know, you can control your speed. If you've got some current but not enough current to bump, then you've got to drag fast enough to overcome the current, or either you got to turn around and drag into the current. And if you're dragging into the current. I, I don't like to drag upstream at all because I feel like my scent trail is not working for me like it is if I'm dragging downstream. So, but you've got to overcome the current, you know, if you're trying to drag. Usually if I've got any current at all, I'll bump bottom till the last, till I just can't stand it no more. Till I get down to a one ounce sinker and it's nearly under the boat. I'll bump bottom as long as the current will pull my bait out in front of my lid until it until you know then I go to dragging. What about uh you know getting out there with drift socks and uh you know going uncontrolled and just uh letting your boat take you wherever it's wanting to go and, and using the wind and the drift socks to set your speed and you know pretty much what I've what I've been told is uh you know more than likely you're gonna find the fish because you're covering everything. <laughs> right, right. Well, I've got the Onyx, uh, the Hummingbird Onyx, uh, and I'll side scan an area, and I'll mark anything, brush, fish, whatever I can mark, and I'll put me together a few waypoints, and then I'll go to those waypoints, and uh, I go to the waypoints, and I mark my fish. You know, I look and make sure the fish are there, and I get right on top of the fish. And then, uh, and then I try to head right straight into the wind, and then I put my... Uh, drift socks out of course and uh, to slow me down a little bit but I'll head right straight into the wind from those waypoints a string of them or whatever and uh, and try to go back over you know where I've been targeting fish I, I don't just haphazardly go I mean not usually unless it's just a big flat and you're just seeing a red dot here there and yonder you know pretty regular but most of the time I've got a I've got several waypoints lined up that I'm trying to hit as many of them as I can as I go down through there, and I use my trolling motor to to adjust it as much as possible, you know. But usually, you're at the mercy of the wind. That's why I go back to my waypoint start and go dead into the wind, and then try to come back across them, you know, dragging like that. So that that would be the advice that you give these guys that um, that don't have trolling motors right now, because you know the guys that we're dealing with on this show right now, it's you know, a lot of them don't have, but, you know, good enough electronics to just to know the water depth. You know, most of them don't have trolling motors. If so, you know, 45-pound hand thrust, uh, hand-controlled uh, trolling motors, um, 
you know, so a lot of these guys are still going out doing pretty good fishing by, you know, learning these little techniques and stuff. So, right, um, right. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, you know, there's always fishes on fish on ledges and stuff like that. And if you can, if you can, uh, if you can drag a ledge or, you know, a river ledge or anything like that right there, you're going to gather up some fish. They're going to be some there. But, um, yeah, that's, that's that's great if they can uh, if they can use some drift socks and uh, get the boat slowed down. Which I man, I I just almost I think it's a must to be able to have a GPS depth finder or um, or something or a trolling motor or something so you can tell exactly how fast you're actually going because that speed is pretty critical. Yeah, they well you know Hummingbird came out with the Helix now and they got a a Helix Five. You know, and, and getting one of those loaded with side image and everything is only uh, 500 bucks. But, you know, they've got it to where you can buy it with every different type of option. You can get the GPS only. You can get the GPS with the 2D for like 299 And, um, I mean, they're, they're just marvelous units for, you know, somebody who needs something to go out and just start busting some fish with. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's recommend those because uh, I had a unit something like that back when I first started uh, fishing a few tournaments and stuff and that's what I had I had a uh, I can't even remember the number of it but it was a hummingbird and it, it had the uh, it had the quad transducer and it was just it was just almost a prototype of your side imaging uh, just wasn't nearly as good but but you could actually tell whether the fish whether they were more fish on one side of you or the other side with that with that quad transducer and uh man i i've done real well with that suspend fishing you know just by looking and saying well i need to move out a little bit looks like there's more fish out than there are in move out a little bit and stay in the fish and yeah those those units that you're talking about right there they're they're way ahead of that and they're you know they're not they're not much less than what we got just screens a little bit smaller it's about the only thing and and uh I like the real expensive units got a lot more megapixels and that things are a little clearer, but now a fifty pound catfish you can see. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Uh Jason Malone's got a question for you. Uh do you have a preferred depth in the river? Yeah, I do. Um this this is a secret right here I probably ought not tell, but I'm going to anyway because you know, if we don't tell these folks some stuff you know, I love telling people stuff, man, because they'll come to me in tournament and they'll say, man, I, I tried that and it worked. It really worked, you know. And uh, when I go to a place, new place or whatever, when I go to a place, I go to the deepest water I can find. First thing I do is go to the deepest water I can find and then I work my way out from there, especially if a river's been falling or, you know, like in fall conditions like now. Uh, starting to cool down and stuff. I'm going to deepest hole I can find, and I'll work out from there. Is there uh, places like uh, where where tributaries come out? Uh, do you, do you like those type of uh, creek openings on the river channel and stuff like that? Is that stuff that you really eyeball and, and focus on, especially when you're out pre-fishing and uh, you're trying to find where those fish are? I, I do occasionally. That, that's a big that's a big seller for anchor fishing. And when I used to anchor some, I anchored a lot in mouth creeks and stuff like that. 
now that I now that I I locate fish a little different and uh, and fish a little different, I don't target uh, the mouth of creeks and and smaller rivers coming in as much as I used to. I don't because most of the time the water is shallower there because it's deposits that come into the river right there. Now when it deposits there and uh, uh, right above it to where you know right above it uh, it falls back off. That's always a, that's always a serious spot, but uh, I'm always looking for a drop off any kind, you know. But um, I don't I don't really not anymore not like I not like I used to. I've, I've got to where I cover I cover spotted structure. I'm a firm believer if you can find wood. Jeff died to kill me for saying this, <laughs> <laughs> but if you can find wood in that Mississippi River, you can catch a cat. If you can, if you can mark wood on your on your side imaging, there's going to be a catfish bite just about every time. Uh, Jason Malone said, "When you say deep, how deep are you calling deep? The Ohio has holes a hundred foot." Yeah, um, I hadn't seen any of those. Um, I probably just hadn't fished the right stretch. Um, I I love to be at least forty feet of water. I just hardly ever get any less than forty feet of water. Um, I fish deep. I, I told me and Jeff was fishing one day and, and we was in 25 foot of water and he said, I said, man, I don't like this. I don't like it none. I said, we need to move. <laughs> he said, how come? I said, because I can almost see my swivel. We're trying to bump out of I can almost see my swivel. <laughs> so so even, oh, even when the, uh, the bite gets tough, uh, like during a you know the beginning of a heavy front when you know the so-called lock jaws happening and you really got to uh, you know bump them off of that structure and and get them to bite uh, but do you still prefer deep water then I do I do you just try to hit hit the structure harder and it don't always pay off I get you know I get handed to me sometime by folks fishing shallower water but I'll, I'll stay deep Day in, day out, I'll stay deep more than not. Yeah, I've, I've always said if I get these fronts figured out, I got it whooped because I always pre-fish good, and for some reason a front always hits the day before the tournament, and, um, you know, it, it just does it to me every time. You know, and most time I just don't fish a tournament so the other guys can catch some fish. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, wait. Well... <laughs> I, I like tough conditions. I, I do better. I do better under tough conditions. The tougher conditions, the higher up, the higher up I'm gonna finish. It seems like you know when we get to a place that when it's when it's bad, I usually come out of there with a uh, with some fish. You know. Yeah, we seen that at the Monsters of the Ohio. You know that was very impressive. Just the uh, just having five fish. Um, yeah. You know, and then the the weight y'all brought in, um, you know, right right there, you know, shows that you know you did your homework and uh, you know how to, you know what them fish are doing. Yeah. Well, the first time I fished that stretch of water uh, was when I won the the first time I was ever on that stretch of water. I was I won the uh, uh, Sea Arc tournament down there, and uh, I Google Earth that and set a waypoint in my driveway in Corinth, Mississippi. And uh, we went to it and uh, 
And sure enough, popped a five pounder and a 25 pounder and said, yep, they right where I thought they'd be. And we came back, went down there and cleaned up. All right, Lyle, I'll let you ask him for a while because I could sit here and pick his brain all night. <laughs> well, that's pretty impressive that you could pick your spot out like that and go right there and start putting fish in a boat. It really is. And I, and I think most of us use Google Earth or Navionics or, or some kind of thing to kind of pick our spots, but to go right to the spot you mark and, and put a 5 and a 25 in a boat, that's pretty impressive right there. <laughs> yeah, it was them days for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, you go to a lot of these tournaments, and you know all the guys, and, and we've had some of them on the show and different things, and you and I talked a little bit about this before, but um, I, I'm interested in knowing if you have got something you can share uh, with us about some of the guys that, that you know personally, uh, Jeff Dodd or Larry and Daryl, Lassie Daryl and Daryl. Yeah, some of yeah. some of the guys that you know, they, there's got to be there's got to be some stories here. Yeah, um, I, I fished a few times with Jeff. Now, Mass and Gills, I hadn't I hadn't fished with them much. Uh, I, well, never have I really been in a boat with them fishing. I fished several tournaments that they they fish at and uh, and different things and. Uh, but now, Jeff Dodd, he's a piece of work now. That boy, <laughs> something else. He'll say, but now, I, you know, I was telling you about Granny French uh, teaching me some stuff. It, it, Jeff Dodd's got to be able to fold and say, okay, what would Granny French say about this? <laughs> and so, you know, he, he, uh, he, he'll get right in there with you. One, one thing about Jeff Dodd, uh, we, was, we was fishing a tournament on uh, – we was fishing out of Pickwick, and it was like 40 miles back up there to the weigh-in. And you was talking about being uh, late two minutes. Well, uh, I had that 20-foot uh, sea arc, and uh, I could run 40 mile an hour on smooth water. And uh, we was we was trying to get through the lock at Wilson Dam, and that's a 110-foot drop in that lock, and it took us forever to get down. And I had to win and wait in my boat. And I told Jeff, Jeff said, well, you got her. We started out of the lock. He said, you got it. One. And I said, I don't think I can make it back to weigh-in. He said, he looked at his watch and he said, uh, we got like 56 minutes. I said, man, I can't run but 40 mile an hour. And he said, we got 56 minutes to go four miles. I've already lost four minutes here. <laughs> I said, I said, uh, uh, I said, man, I don't think I'd make it. I said, I, he said, can you? He said, can you run all the forty? I said, yeah, on smooth water. He said, well, I'll just have to iron it for you. Just fall in there behind me. <laughs> so he he lagged back. He could run fifty. He lagged back and let me draft. And I mean, I put it right behind his motor, and we went we went forty miles, thirty something miles. Our part was. We went all the way in. We squeaked in with a minute, 20 seconds left to weigh in, and I won the tournament, and he got third place. But that right there, <laughs> that was a charge right there. Well, and, well, uh, and that Jeff, Jeff Don is one of the outstanding guys in our sport. Oh, yeah. yeah. You're having yeah, some bad feedback, Yeah, and I don't know how to stop. I don't know how to stop. You got your uh, external, uh, speakers, external on? speakers on? No. No. 
that change it at all? Change it at all? No, your your speaker is probably too close to mine. I don't know if anybody else anybody else Because all my stuff's turned down. You got headphones? You got headphones? Ah, they're Well, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'll work on it. Yeah, try to put try to put try to put on your speakers in your Make you a little wall. Did that change anything? Not much. Not much. Let's see if an echo on the At the Wilton tournament, Wilton tournament. Uh, a lot of guys got caught in the Yep, yep. The very next, the very next year, we was about two minutes late. <laughs> so sometimes it works, sometimes it don't. Yeah, they. Uh, yeah, they. Uh, they said about said about ten boats or 10 something. Boats or something. That the the, 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 the Rick tournament, the, the, all the guys that went up in the wilts and a lot of them held up by barge in the lot. Yeah, that yeah, there was a barge coming through, and we had to sit and wait till he until he locked in, and then they filled the locker. It takes thirty minutes, and we started trying to get back through like at two o'clock, and we didn't have to be back down there until four, but um. Uh, Time that barge got in and they filled him up. It takes about thirty minutes to fill the fill the chamber and then uh, and then get the barge out of the way and then let us in and then drop. It takes about thirty minutes to drop it also. And uh, that's a man. That's a rise. One hundred and ten feet is. And uh, so yeah, yeah, we got we just couldn't get back in time. It just <laughs> just the way it was. And uh, we had, you know, we had no like to, to pull out uh, first, second, and third place. And uh, when we got back, the ones that fished there close, uh, I think third place was like 15 pounds or something. Because we didn't do that. Seems like mine's doing good. Except, Except when, when we talk. We talk. And, 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 my, and my, what we say is coming through your mic. Is there something I need to do? Can you turn the volume? Turn the volume down a little bit. Yeah, it wasn't doing it. Yeah, it wasn't doing it at first. 
Now it works. How's that? Right, he, turned the he turned the volume down. I, I don't know if I can hear you or not. Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yeah, it's echoing. I just not as bad. Yeah, turned up a little bit. All right. All right, say something now. Maybe, maybe I can hear you. How's it sound now? How's it sound now? Yeah, that's great right there. Is that better? It's echoing a little it's bit. It's echoing a little bit. Maybe I'll stay back from it just a little. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think I think where your mic's at, where your mic's at, where your speakers they're too close together. Too close together. And when I talk, speaker it goes right back in the Yeah, this is all contained in the unit. Yeah. You know, it's I'm going with a laptop here, and it's you know it's not got an external it's not got an external mic or anything. Yeah, we've been through it before. Yeah, uh, the guys, the guys that day said that, like the top five boats would have been in the group of boats that Yeah, yeah, we would have. We would have. But anyway, that's a chance you take. Which, uh... Anyway, it's all fun. So, so the guys, so the guys that go for these tournaments, what kind of advice can you give them on where they can, you know, make it back in time and still visit these other lakes and not be scared to lock Scared to lock Yeah. Well, I don't know. You're taking a chance when you lock through. You're just taking a chance. I like the way they did it on the monsters tournament where. You know that we had a lot back through time, and that was that was good to have that. Um, but on some of these rivers where they got a lot more commercial traffic, you just there's no way they can do that. So that just that just plays into your uh, into your game plan whether you can make it back on time or the guys that's that's going to the to Wilson or to the next lake up. Uh, if you want to take a chance that they can't make it back on time, and you just catch a a 50 pound stringer here, you might win the tournament here if they can't make it back on time. So you know that's just part of the game. Well, you know, well, you know, no things happen. Happen. You just uh, got to take the We uh we uh we're running out an hour 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 an that's some of the greatest hooks in the world. I mean, uh, I wouldn't take nothing for my Daiichi hooks. Um, Abu Garcia or Pure Fishing. Uh, I'm a select angler of Pure Fishing, and uh, they've been great. Um, any any issue, they've took good care of it. And uh, I mean, I've got some superior. I've got have got some superior gear. 
there and have a Garcia stuff. And um, uh, drip master rod holders, um, they've, they've take good care of me. And uh, I like my drip master rod holders. And, uh, uh, and like I said, anybody that's helping anybody, not just my, not just my sponsors, but anybody that is helping uh, promote tournament catfishing, I'm all for you. And uh, I appreciate you. And uh, I know uh, B&M Rods is, is starting to get into the catfish market. And uh, I wanted to plug them. They, uh, they got several teams out there on the trails. And uh, that's great. You know, competition, that's what, that's what makes things grow. And uh, let's, I, I really uh, appreciate folks that, that think enough of catfishing to uh, invest some uh, money and effort into it. But yeah, that's that's yeah, true. That's, that's true. Every uh, every uh, every it is is Well, Larry, thank well, you. Larry, thank you for being on the show tonight. Show tonight. Uh, we really appreciate really appreciate your time and spending with spending with. All right. Well, I I sure appreciate y'all inviting me, and uh, I, you know, uh, I. I thank y'all for what y'all do, and uh, y'all hang in there and keep it going, and uh, we'll keep these guys uh, keep these guys fishing and give them enough information that they can uh, they can get out there and, and win one every now and then. That's what keeps us going. That's exactly That's right. That's exactly right. Well, Chuck, well, did Chuck, did you have to discuss tonight? No, I'm, I'm, I'm good. Um, um, got some stuff. Got some stuff. It's been great having you. Know, have you on again. All right. Uh, well, if you don't have anything else, I think I'm good for the night. And uh, with that, we'll call it an evening. Thanks again to Larry Muse for being on the show. I want to remind everybody that um, next Monday night, uh, we won't have him on video, but we're, we'll have John Jamison on the show with us. He's agreed to come on, and I think that that will make a really, really good show. So uh, look forward to seeing everybody next Monday night. Till then, thanks for watching Catfish Weekly. All right, guys. See you next week.